welcome to this episode of the Level Design Podcast. In this episode, we go back to school, well, university, to level up with the Game Assembly's Tommy Norberg. Level designers, assemble! Let's get on with the show, shall we? Hello, and welcome back to this episode of the Level Design Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Drew, and I am joined by Command Studios' Valentina Chrysostomo. Hello, Valentina. How's it going? Hi, hi, everybody. It's been going great. I've been working on a top-secret project that uh, <laughs> is not really that secret, but, uh, yeah. Everyone's yeah. project is top-secret, right? Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's like, what have you been doing this week? I can't tell you I unless we sign do. NDAs. Yeah. But I've seen yours on Twitter yeah. now, so it's not a secret. I've seen yours on Twitter, so... Yeah, yeah, so it's an actually, yeah, it wasn't actually top secret. I was lying. See, I was so, like, No, no, but what you're doing secrecy. on it. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm doing on it, yeah, I cannot say that. But, yeah, yeah. we've been working on the horror game together. So um, that's that's all the news I've got, really. And also uh, joining me, and you might have heard him in the background, is the lovely Jonathan Wilson, senior games designer at, at Us Two Games. Hello, sir. How are you keeping? Been busy? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, always busy. Uh, still, unlike, unfortunately, like Valentina, I can't talk too much, but it's exciting to see it come together. Uh, it's exciting to be working with the team at Us2 again as well. Uh, there's always new stuff going on. Uh, and actually finding time to play games, which is something what? I haven't done for a while, which is quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> what? Time? What's time? I know it won't last forever. Yeah, enjoy it when you can. I mean, it's been ages since I've played a, a game, I have to admit, and I feel very bad hosting a, 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 a level design show <laughs> and you know, and, and not having enough time to play games or analyze games or anything this week. But hey, soon, soon a bit more time will come in. But joining us in this episode is the, the wonderful Tommy Norberg from the Game Assembly in Stockholm, right? Or is it Marmo? I see this two places it's actually two places so it's right. uh, it's malmo and stockholm i i actually educate a little bit on both sides but mostly uh -huh. uh, malmo yeah everybody malmo. knows where malmo is i mean it's the most right. world famous uh, village there is <laughs> <laughs> and and you're there as a level design teacher and you've come here to Teach us your knowledge, sir. Spread the knowledge of, well, to the world. Well, it takes a little bit longer than that. You're, no, you're... no, we're expecting one podcast. Yeah, one podcast <laughs> and all the knowledge. already, but... Um, yeah. we'll no, well, we're going to we distill it. Yeah, we'll distill it for our audience and, and, and put it out there. So you literally teach level design. There is a course dedicated to that aspect, which I haven't seen in other universities. I've seen, like... Game design, you know, art, the art-related stuff, but never the, the, the level design as a course, right? So, yeah, uh, most of the cases is uh, game design, and then they can branch off to be level designers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not even really supported within the structure of the school on most other schools. Mm -hmm. But we focus solely on, on level design. We don't, I don't actually teach much game design at all. So um, Wow. Uh, I just uh, I I see level design as um, the foundation of of everything. <laughs> so if you're if you're a good level designer, <laughs> then you, you you become a game design designer as well. So a, a lot of my students yeah. um, 
they when they go out on their internships they actually go straight into game design uh, some of them most of them to level design but some actually jump on the game design train i mean just saying that i think it's fascinating and really good to see that you do a course dedicated to level design because it's like mark said it's usually a subset or you do it as a module in your university course uh and i can even think about when i was still at university we weren't taught level design directly like in any module it was just something you would have to do when you did a project or you did a team project or things like that and it involved a lot of research on your own and then you realize how big of a subject level design is and like this could be my degree right now but so it's mm-hmm. good to see there is actual courses out there now focused in that specialist area it, it's really hard to become somewhat good if you could word it like that uh, in level design so you have it's just trial and error basically uh, continuously uh, trekking on making level after level after level until yeah. until you kind of grasp the, the the fundamentals uh, so the, the entire process is spanning over two years and then on Mm. top of that they have an internship so they actually Mm. practice with with different courses taking a look at the environmental art and storytelling and um, the scripting part and uh, and all the framework stuff and everything uh, in in individual chunks so we have a lot of different uh, bite-size chunks for them to eat and and continuously grow but yeah mm-hmm. it's 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 hard and and it's absolutely not something you should do in just uh, breeze through it and and just yeah. do one course or two or maybe just as you say as you say just make the levels for the game but you're really just focusing on the game design and then you just happen to do the the level design mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that i see in in uh, a lot of other school structures so yeah, it's a it's a little bit unique. Um, yeah. With the bite-sized chunk approach you were talking about, it's like is there an even distribution to like technical versus those I guess that are more focused on layout and composition design, or is it a more of a universal split? Because obviously, when you go into industry, your role usually mixes both of those things quite heavily. Uh, like most companies wouldn't ha- don't always hire the technical LD versus the like environment art, like L like LD sort of thing. Yeah. 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 That's a spectrum. There's like the technical LD and environment art and, and then everything in between. Yeah. We get it. We're getting more and more like each year for each new class that we, we push out into the industry. There's more and more, um, like, um, spearhead knowledge like this. You need to know some, specific things very very good but you shouldn't be a generalist um, so mm-hmm. the bigger studios demand that um, for example now nowadays you have technical level designer that wasn't yeah. a thing a couple of years ago no one have, had really heard about that then maybe you had a technical designer maybe but most of them were like technical artists or or just or tools artists or tools designer right. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah or tools time like the programming aspect of it so actually actually having a technical level designer just fixing like scripting a container so the ca- container works but then someone else actually places the container into the level that's um, that's actually quite new the more the industry grows especially in AAA the more job like opportunities arise like we have like you said technical level designer that didn't exist but now because uh, the work is distributed between so many thousands of people sometimes in one studio 
uh, you, you, you don't want to just generalize level design and do a bit of everything. You, you'll just be working on one specific thing for like three years. And so you, you're very, you become a specialist basically in a, in a very, like in a concentrated area. It's very different from indie development though, right? So yeah, in indie, it's way more broad, uh, but we mm. try to, to have the entire package. So um, since, the, since the education is so long, uh, mm -hmm. I tackle all the different avenues. So um, we do technical level design and we do um, more towards the environment art. And we mm -hmm. also do the basic building blocks of, of level design, like the generalist, the jack of all trades. And then at the end, uh, when they start building their portfolios, they get to kind of specialize themselves and choose mm -hmm. that, okay, I yeah. uh, this technical bit is really interesting. So I'm going to pursue mm -hmm. that a little bit deeper and deep dive into that. Uh, and, and then they can portray themselves as a, a technical designer or a technical mm -hmm. level designer uh, or mm -hmm. an environment artist or, or a game designer, um, even that. So, so I try to be uh, open-ended like that. But uh, mm -hmm. the original question was if, if I kind of divide up the, um, the courses okay. and, and, and yeah. the teaching. Uh, yeah, definitely. So I have basically uh, three big building blocks. That is mm -hmm. uh, level design and uh, art and uh, tech. Uh, so, and then I focus in on those courses. Like, okay, now we're in a technical course. You should mm -hmm. still do level design. You need to make maps, but now we're gonna mm -hmm. put some life into them uh, with technical skills, like make that door opening sequence really, really nice or make those mm -hmm. enemies appear uh, into the level like really nice. And we're taking a look at AI and uh, and those kind of quite hardcore deep deep dives into tech uh, into technical uh, aspects as well. A lot of stuff that they won't really use actively when working as level designers at the, at the companies. Uh, but the know-how, actually knowing how the AI works. Okay, I have actually scripted a functioning AI that can roam around mm -hmm. and actually take mm -hmm. cover and shoot it. Not a single one. Well, actually, a few of them <laughs> do that, uh, actually implement uh, AI. Um, yeah. But most of them uh, don't actually implement the AI. Uh, but they know how, so therefore they can talk to the people uh, and mm -hmm. address problems. So this uh, this dude uh, don't uh, react properly at this cover node. They they can know what's going on. That's the important thing, right? Yeah, when when you're at a university, this you you wanna yeah you specialize like you mentioned, but you also want to know, like you said, why why doesn't this enemy take cover? Um, something maybe that I didn't place correctly in my level, like the nodes, or why doesn't this like, car travel properly on the road? Maybe because I didn't place the road nodes correctly, and it's or maybe they're reversed or something like that. So it's 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 just a way to communicate with other people. Uh, just having an idea. I think I think that's actually a a great point because uh, a lot of the times, uh, junior designers when they join a company, each company is different, obviously, but then you don't know how things work together. You just know what you've learned and that's about it. But it's always good to know, hey, wh what does it mean to place items? What does it mean if you have the eye? What does it mean if things are flying and all of that? Even just a little bit, then you'll know what problems can arise and whether that's something you can solve or not. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then um, if we stay on the technical part a bit, um, it's 
it's growing more and more important. So even mm-hmm. um, even if you pursue to be more of an environment artist, uh, you will still be uh, confronted with really really hardcore technical stuff like everything is node based nowadays basically yeah. so so mm-hmm. you have to know the back backbones of things so if you can script in a in a visual language you can apply that in in all the different avenues like if you're really hardcore technical person or if you're just a baseline level designer like the know-it-all or if you're going more towards the art style you still need those skills but 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 then the deeper thing is that yeah, now you can actually talk to people uh, and and address mm. problems properly. Because this was something that kind of a while back I was involved in some conversations that it was kind of like industry trying to drive what the content of courses was. And I said, well, industry will want specialists, to f- especially AAA, right? They want, I'm going to make up a title, but they want a technical level designer on the art side writing tools. Right. And, and that's what they want. And they go, can you make me loads of those at your university, please? And but the students coming up, they need to have a general knowledge if this is the, the industry or the skills they're going to do. Right. Like, of course, you have science. I'm going to go into another thing. You might have computer scientists and you teach them the basics of computer science and you teach them programming in different ways and you teach them different things. Sorry, I, I didn't do a computer science degree, so I can't really tell you all the things they teach you. But it means that you come out and then you might be programming in a pr- programming language that you've never touched before, but you have the tool set to, to adapt throughout your life, right? Into your 30s and 40s and 50s, not just one, that first job at AAA that you're trying to get straight out of university. I think just love what you're saying there. That's why it's, a, as a designer in general, level design or game design, it's important to have an understanding of the fundamentals of, whether it be coding, it be art, it be node-based stuff, you don't necessarily have to be able to write the code or whatever, but if you can understand the fundamentals of how it's structured or how it talks to something, it's going to make you, the conversation you have with a programmer when you refer, when you request that feature or you are explaining a bug to them, you're go- it's going to make it easier for you to have that conversation and make it 10 times easier for them to make the right tool for you and also be able to fix the issue that's arisen from when you were actually finally trying to implement it, which we all know. When you finally try to test something, that's when all the real issues arise, right? It's like in theory <laughs> oh, yes. on paper, everything sounds great. Oh, I'll put it in, it'll just work. That doesn't really happen. But if you know yourself where it breaks down, you can't fix it yourself necessarily. Some people, sure, they probably can because they're more technically minded. But you know who to go to, who to talk about, how, who's responsible for fixing this area of the game. So, yeah, um, I think that all games would be better if we all knew C++. If we all sp- spoke <laughs> fluently yeah. C++, then games would be better. But that's not real- uh, the reality. So we're, right. we, we're all different people and, and uh, strive for different things. But if a really, really top-tier um, artist that's... M- making beautiful characters and beautiful art uh, also knew the backbone and also knew yeah. the programming and all and mm. all all the intricate bits uh, the games would definitely be be better uh, mm-hmm. but we are all different so so we we have to strive to at least be able to communicate with each other so mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's why i try to to um, crack open that box so i have a lot of students mm-hmm. that come into the into the school and being quite single-minded uh, I want to do this 
mm. uh, I, I'm I'm only art focused. Oh no, I I, I can't do technical stuff. Uh, it's uh, I don't have it in me. Uh, yeah. But but I I break them down and build them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a military thing. It's like first we break down the man <laughs> and then down. we pull them back together. And yeah, and I, I think have... if you ask a couple of students, they, I think that that's that's um, <laughs> close to it. Yeah. <laughs> Level design push-ups. Yeah, yeah it's, it's quite hard, hard paced. Um, the entire, the entire school is quite hard paced. Uh, a lot of, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them, uh, outsiders think of the school as uh, university, uh, university studies, uh, but university studies are, um, you, it's more academic. You sit at home, yeah. make studying at your own pace, and then maybe once or twice a week go to a lecture and 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 maybe have some group projects but this is what someone said to me was like you are reading for a degree that's what it says reading in between you know because you have to do a lot of reading beforehand but this is not that right no no so so it's it's more we try to simulate a work uh, working environment uh, mm-hmm. but a lot of students um, think it's actually slightly worse than that because the f- the first part of the day we do individual courses and and I try to mm-hmm. uh, exercise them <laughs> in level design and then uh, the second part of the day they do group projects uh, cooperating with uh, uh, artists and programmers and technical artists and animators mm-hmm. uh, uh, cobbled together uh, in a in a motley crew of of, uh, of game designers uh, mm-hmm. making a game on their own and then they kind of bringing back the game design part of it then they kind of mm. holistically becomes game designers so all of them the entire group it's a super flat structure no producers or no nothing they just have to work on their soft skills uh, and and make it happen uh, and they all become game designers they all have to make the decisions on what makes the game tick uh, mm-hmm. so it strengthens them and also these that everybody talks about the soft skills uh, learning to communicate with all the different uh, mm-hmm. parts of a game studio and uh, they get that as well but then it's so frantic this like 50 50 thing uh, so when they actually get out into the industry and start making re- like real games uh, a lot of them tell me like oh man it's not stressful at all. What's going on here? I wow, I don't want to know what's uh, going I on. It would in be the hard to make games. But university is actually like that. I remember doing, uh, I don't know how the education in, in Sweden is, but we study till 16 and do, do A levels, which is quite intense, two years before university. And then I thought, well, after these two years of A levels, like university is going to be easy. But it was pretty intense, right? Uh, so like this is what three four year degrees are a lot of stuff going into your brain in a pretty short period of time the universities that i've gone to is a little bit more chill maybe <laughs> i mean but i'm just saying generally the amount of knowledge that you're trying to put into people's heads in three it, years it's a quite... lot in a short in a lot right. in a short space of time because it's a lot it's not super focused either so it's usually there's a broad range of knowledge they're trying to give you so then you as the student can choose to specialize by the time you get to your final year but it's also quite hard because you've just been bombarded for the last three years with all this stuff then it's like okay which bit do i actually like did i learn enough about this subject enough to see i like it and that's where it gets really hard like to make that choice one thing that um i really uh, and, and the way that that uh, you came to my, to my attention was the way that you've so beautifully studied 
uh, putting a language around level design. So in just I'm just going to go back to computer science because I know a little bit more about that. There was a book called Design Patterns by the gang of four programmers, and they kind of codified solutions to problems or, you know, so that now you could say do the the facade pattern when you're trying to solve a problem like this. This is the, the domain. It doesn't tell you how to implement it. It doesn't tell you the nuts and bolts. It just says this is the pattern that you can use, uh, the solution for this kind of problem. And when I started seeing the, the little drawings that you were making, because that's a better way to explain it, I went, oh, wow, level design, design patterns. You know, this is amazing, you know, because it, what led you to that? Is this like just coming out of the classes? But No, um, it's not just coming out of the classes. It's, it's a big experiment from my side to try to, uh, uh, to quantify and to, to um, put complex uh, theories and, and stuff that we, we level designers, we're all level designers, uh, that we kind of just have a sense of that we do trial and error and we just, oh, of course I should do it like this. But but how? Mm. W w what's going on here? Why? Why? How do you think right. here? Tell me. How do you do this? Like, I I just do it and try to mm. and try to um, <laughs> uh, explain that uh, in in a sensible way. I do that all the time in in my classes, obviously. But then it's mm. more. I look over the shoulder at my students and uh, commenting on their actually work. And ah, oh, maybe if you move this thing over there, look how everything opens up and blah 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 blah. It's it's right. very it's very there and in context to to their work, right? Exactly. But uh, and then I came to realize that how how, how the, they need they need to bring this tool set with them i i can't just expect them to to remember every single line that i say during two yeah. years so so how how do they actually like build their backpack of knowledge uh, mm -hmm. uh, above just trial and error and making maps and maps and maps how do i actually uh, uh word all all the different stuff that i talk about and and mm -hmm. uh and uh, make them somewhat understandable. Uh, so, so, so it's uh, it's an ongoing experiment, and you guys are my <laughs> my my rabbits that I try it on. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I, I've been eating that lettuce. Um, <laughs> I try to hone down and try to to like squeeze the juice out of the um, apples. Or something, <laughs> uh, and and try to, to try to realize. Um, okay, how do we actually make all of this? Uh, is it um, can we actually make some kind of voc vocabulary, vocabulary that we can mm -hmm. unify uh, around? Because mm -hmm. the uh, you all know this that the, the games industry i mean it's totally out of control everybody's they have their own <laughs> yeah. way of doing uh, stuff and we have all learned how to do stuff in 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 the basement of of our homes and i think it's worse in design right because if you work in programming or in an art you already have um uh, have the knowledge from yeah. actual art and actual like coding and whatnot but when you come to design and and this is about making an interactive experience. The field, 
hasn't really uh, expanded or like evolved in that to create a vocabulary. So the thing is, you go you go work somewhere for the first time, and unless you were involved in Twitter or reading interviews or watching dev diaries, you wouldn't know the vocabulary. They might tell you, "Hey, we're doing this," and they say an abbreviation, and you you don't know what that means, for example. Um, and I think it's pretty cool that you're trying to like uh, sort of like unify the experience because I think it needs it, like the interactive experience design. It, it, it might not be specifically for AAA games. It might also be just any sort of like interactive experience. It still needs a vocabulary. Yeah, I think so too. And we will get there in the in, in the end. I mean, it's impossible for us to continue in in one of, in one hundred years that we all kind of have our studio basis of doing things. Um, mm. The the closest thing to 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 a level designer is basically an architect. And architecture mm -hmm. has been around for thousands of years, and, and they mm. have built this. This oh, vocabulary and yeah, this way of doing yeah, stuff. Yeah. This works and this don't work. And you can do it like this. And uh, okay. a lot of rules uh, that mm -hmm. they actually teach. And, and so all the architects are kind of prepared in a unified way. And then they can branch out be and become star players and, and top architects and, and do yeah. crazy stuff. But they all stand yeah. on the same foundation. And mm -hmm. we're, we're nowhere near that in, in, in uh, level design. Uh, especially, but in design in general, uh, mm. but level design is so so young and so immature. I don't think it's technology driven. I mean, it's young um, and it's experience driven because, as you say, there's there's architect. I was sorry, I was looking around for my one hundred and one things I learned in architecture school book. Yeah, yeah but uh, it's kind of like the thing, uh, something popping out, and and all the level designers kind of like. Ooh, look, some a rule set. I remember the bait and switch, um, a drawing that you put online, because uh, at the same time I was playing The Last of Us 2 and I was finding a lot of that. I think you released it at the same time. And I just remember reading through it. I'm like, yes, I've been seeing this in The Last of Us for, like throughout the whole game. And that's that's a cool way to like uh, express something. You say that you say bait and switch, that's a vocabulary, and, and you know exactly what it means. And... Maybe it evokes specific feelings and whatnot, and then you can try and apply that. So when someone tells you, you can, you, you'll know already what that means. What I found really interesting was a discourse around each of... People search out Tommy and, 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 and see his images. We'll put a link to his, to his thing in, in the description below. But it's a discourse that happens each time you post something because you see a whole bunch of people from all across the industry or different places going no we call this so and so we Something call else, this yeah you know uh, and you go like there it is that's the problem right because you might have people that have switched um studios or you know gone to different places and now you're talking about i i learned that for example corridors were called sausage I, I, I never heard, heard that, that. wait what yeah or like what, what we call a main hub that splits into other Hubs. I heard of. I heard like it's something's called like a hand also because it can be split up into other rooms and then you've got the main palm area. So it's like there's so many names you don't even you don't even know <laughs> what is what. Hand seems very weird. That seems very unique or specific to a certain project or studio. I think it might yeah. have been a Bioshock. Like I'm, I'm, I could be mistaken though. That's the point of this, right? We need this standardization because in the industry you usually move around a lot, whether it's for job to job, like you're pursuing a new project or whatever, but you don't want to have to relearn. You've got all this knowledge, right? 
and then you go and you start trying to apply that knowledge and then people like they don't know what you're talking about or whatever because they've got their own internal understanding so you have the same you do have you know how to do all this stuff as individuals but you can't communicate it about because you both call stuff different things it is getting a little bit better now but something like this if we could unify it and have something if i just say like be it switch every studio knows what it means it's like i give feedback on the level oh bait and switch would go good there someone just knows what to go and do with it we need more standardization like that just like across across the board if you look at the bait and switch it's been around for forever mm-hmm. i mean i'm i posted some examples from half-life 2 and that's like 200 years old game <laughs> precisely it's been around forever and ever and and i don't even i don't even think that they really could verbalize what they were doing yeah they didn't know what it was they just did it i think the main problem with finding a vocabulary for design is that uh let's just say you start with the the theory like jonathan said it's like oh let's make the beta switch and then suddenly oh this we're gonna have enemies or suddenly there's the light doesn't make it work or something else happens and the game evolves and it and it adds up so much in that area and the the main idea at the beginning that you had the bait and switch might be gone by then and then it's a different experience and then you don't know what to name that so you just don't um and it's it's kind of hard because it's a lot of psychology right it's not just architecture even the level design is architecture but um, we can't just plainly follow the the real life rules because people are boring and we're very predictable. Whereas in games, there's just so much stuff happening. There could be a swarm of flies coming from above, so it's not the exact same experience anymore as architecture. It's there's something else going on, uh, which we can't put our finger on. Uh, what you're saying holds true uh, in a lot of avenues, but it's also kind of it's it's the language that we can use to to make the game better and better and actually iterate the game better and better if we just stay on the bait and switch so if i as a level designer have implemented that into my block out and 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 then delivered that block out with an intent of of having that feature there then i can kind of like talk to the environment artist when they and mm. when they start to to uh, massage the the level and making it uh, awesomely beautiful I, I i tried to bait the player there we can't mm. like put a really nice painting over there because <laughs> then the, the player will look at that instead so so ha- having those um, fundamentals and those um, guidelines um, I think in the end it serves a purpose uh, for, mm-hmm. for everyone mm-hmm. to be kind of unified. But yeah, definitely um, everything gets um, clouded and, and gray yeah. in the end. So so that yeah. awesomely placed tree that I did way back when mm-hmm. in the block out becomes something like completely now. different later on. Yeah, yeah. And you don't know, always know what the player is also going to do. Maybe they'll just start like jumping around and miss that part that you as a level designer were trying to do. Maybe they were walking backwards. Maybe the AI started talking and they were listening to them instead of looking at the following what the level is trying to tell them. So there's a lot of things that just uh, pop up in the experience itself that you you can't 100% predict, even though you try to make the level as... It's not so as much a, as a prediction, I would say. It's more of a, of a language. Like, I saw the video by Peter Field that he did. He he built a whole level in, in Dreams, and he was showing you, like... And I realized, like, you know, when you when you listen to experts talk, it's wonderful because they make it seem so easy. And they goes, oh, no, you come around this corner and you can see the, the weenie through the crack in the wall. But, you know... 
Yeah, no, he didn't say that. He, he said, no, he didn't. He, I trust Peter. He didn't. He didn't say. He weenie. didn't use that word. <laughs> no, he actually I used landmark. Yes, I would use weenie, but uh, exactly. So seeing a master doing it, and but then he showed like three or four different things that were happening here. That, that to guarantee um, they see it. That like. guarantee that you see it, but then then the next part. So now you see it. Now your next goal is to now you want to get there so let me kind of ease you this way and i can't remember the whole part of, about the thing at the time but it's coming with these namings of the sequence of events so that you can say we don't see the landmark well enough just before the turnaround or whatever you want to call it i don't know you know the, the terms so you can name these areas with their benefits and the detraction of them you know when it shouldn't be used so you're able to say this is a guide you sh we advise against using it but it's the same thing as in music or creativity like you know don't paint with a stick and i bet you there's an artist out there painting wonderful paintings using a stick <laughs> do you know what i mean it's, it's... yeah yeah so one thing that we haven't really talked about uh tommy is that aside from from this great enthusiasm that you have for teaching these these students to do the right thing and to go out there and do the right thing you've come from an awesome background of of making games of actually you've had a great experience including a game that jonathan and i were saying we forgot about which was syndicate there was a remake of syndicate by the way i've played the original syndicate i used to it was on my com computer network and in university and uh, i was like what he worked on there was a remake and no one told me so I, I'm not gonna lie. I remember seeing the trailer for the Syndicate remake. I was very confused. <laughs> of the time, this looks quite cool, but this is not what I thought it was going to be. No, there was a lot of backlash. Uh, it 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 actually brought down the studio. So, so yeah, oh, wow. it, it, okay, it, yeah, it was messy. Um, we wow. we sold. Uh, it's so long time ago, so I can just talk numbers. Yeah. I think we we sold like one hundred thousand copies. And I think we had to recoup uh, two million or something. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. so, so, yeah, we were quite below uh, the expectations. Uh, um, but yeah, we all kind of saw it coming. Uh, at the same time, they actually did a remake of XCOM as well, mm. um, and and that was also like a first-person experience with a lot of wacky aliens kind of things. Uh, oh, the Bureau. XCOM, the Bureau, was that it? Or was this a... Because there was a massive backlash because everybody right. was waiting for the proper XCOM uh, mm. follow-up, which eventually mm. happened. Uh, yeah. but, but the first uh, try was to make it a Call of Duty clone, basically. And, and that's right. the order that we got as well. Uh, maybe some EA XCOM people is watching this stream now and will call them <laughs> later. Uh, so EA was the publisher and um, mm -hmm. we, we basically, uh, we have the Syndicate IP and uh, Call of Duty is selling really good. Let's make Syndicate Call Let's of Duty. Was there ever a version of that Syndicate reboot that was trying to be like it, the tactics like true to its essence or was it literally they came to you we want this call of duty clone with this skin sort of thing uh, they contacted us for a reason uh starbreeze um, at that um, given period of time we were making uh, uh, immersive first person experiences so yeah. it was the uh, riddick chronicles riddick, of riddick yeah. and those kind mm. of games um mm. so it was really 
like this first person uh, gun-totting uh, killer dudes. Uh, the Darkness, <laughs> if you remember that one as well. Oh, yeah. No, the oh, yeah. Ten- okay. Tentacle Arms. I didn't work I on that one. I love that idea of like the darkness when it first came. I was like, so weird. Love it. <laughs> so we were contacted because we uh, knew how to handle first-person experience. And they wanted to make like a narrative story-driven uh, saga in the uh, in the um, syndicate universe. world, uh, which was a beautiful idea. I mean, we we hooked on to, to it and we really liked the idea, but we kind of realized that it would become a backlash because it was so so fans, different yeah. from from the like the tactical top-down four-person cyborg kind of thing with, with a trench coat, which you know. That really sells it. I remember the little animations. Yeah, but we tried our best. And I actually uh, was part of the team that made the co-op uh, branch mm-hmm. for, for that game. And there we we adapted it. So we were four agents cooperating, uh, doing um, standalone missions in, in, in not even kind of the same, but almost exactly the same setup as the uh, as the pre uh, the, the the prequel the the original yeah. the original original game. Uh, so I was the lead level designer there. Uh, so I actually looked at the uh, exact maps from the original, mm. and then interpreted them into a first per- first person experience. So oh, wow. okay. if you're really in tuned to the Atlantic Accelerator, for example, like big base in the middle of the Atlantic, the layout is almost the same as the orig- original game. Mm. Uh, you cool. experience it. Uh, you experience it from a completely different way. Like, right, yeah. yeah, but it's there, uh, and we did our best. So we had all the different maps from all the different regions. So the Argentina level uh, mimics mm-hmm. the layout from the original and we have the Europe map and we have all the different maps uh, mimicking the the play style and feel from, from the original. So we did our best. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's a nice nice approach Like to go back. It's like obviously fans are doing an outcry for the original. You Obviously you've got a first person game, that's your core tool set, so you can't really do that. But to go back and actually bring the old maps and bring reference and ideas and how they were approached and actually re- like you say, show those from a new perspective as a nice way to like put a new spin on it and try and redeem something that the fans were backlashing again. I think there might be levels on that, but you also worked on a game that's one of my favorites. So rather than like doing a, a it's a Just Cause 2, and mm. I've been a fan of Just Cause because it's been such a... Just Cause 2 was the best Just Cause. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Damn right. It's just this freedom of movement. I mean, I'm just going to just put my level designer's hat on, and it was just like, well, you can go anywhere, essentially just do anything. QA must hate me. You know, it's like this. It's like you can basically do anything, blow up anything. Well, kind of, but, you know, it's so much fun. And, you know, I think that some other games have taken, a, you know, I've been playing uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, and we've been trying to do just cause things in wildlands <laughs> no. jumping off things a lot mainly but yeah. uh, does it work 
No, you go. <laughs> it was really hard to level design for for that kind yeah. of openness. Um, yeah. Open world is one thing; just cause is another thing. Where you can <laughs> basically just grapple hook a, a, a jet plane passing a, yeah. passing mm. over, and then all of a sudden you're like. 10 kilometers south. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, I, mean, I would think with something like Just Cause, like I always saw it, it was, it's a lot of fun. I can do all this stuff. I enjoy you embrace that kind of stuff. But it is a toy box, right? It's like you've just given like the, gra- the grapple hook is the best toy you can probably get. And that's obviously built on in later games. It's been on the series for ages. But yeah, like trying to get the player to focus on, I don't know, an outpost or to do this one very small area of a level was always quite an interesting challenge. So we kind of scrapped that. So we we tried to work with this system of of having it more like a sandbox experience. So Mm -hmm. when I created, uh, it was on me to to, and and my world building team uh, um, to make all the villages and harbors and um, military bases um, set out in the the open world. Uh, We we kind of surrendered to the fact that, okay, the player will just be here for a couple of seconds, blows yeah. shit up, and then move on. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the soul of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, was, it wasn't it was a true sandbox because you couldn't really tinker and do whatever. We had a, a rule set, but it was quite mm-hmm. close to a sandbox that you could just roam around and, and blow shit up. And that was the yeah. main thing of the game. And we even implemented like a game design layer on that with a cows system so it was meant to be played like that so okay. so so the dna of the game kind of talked the same language and that's mm-hmm. where a lot of games kind of fail and i think that's yeah. what resonated with people why why just cause 2 kind of took off and and became mm-hmm. a thing because the entire game spoke the same language I've tried to say this in, in various different contexts in life. Sometimes if you have a a challenge or a part of the game that or game or, or your job, sometimes you just have to lean in. Instead of trying to force it and, and cram something in, you just have to lean in and go like, all right, let's go full in on this. And you get much better results, right? So the bombastic... Uh, I'm not just going to gush about just cause but i promise but the bombastic attitude in that game gave you that like hey you know you're gonna go and do all of this and and you just go and do it you know and and that from that design point of view that then ties into the voice acting to the obviously the dialogue yeah uh, i think the stranding uh, is a good uh, the stranding is a good example right for of that because everything uh the mechanics and everything that's just been implemented in that game has the same kind of like tone or uh, it, it speaks the same language, like the cutscenes can sometimes be very long and there can be random weird stuff happening. So when you're out of that, you can also experience that in the world in the same, uh, sometimes with the, in the same mechanics. You can wear sandals instead of boots and that will hurt your feet. And then when you go in your uh, your room and then your feet are bleeding, like it's kind of like follows the same uh, kind of like, like you said, language. It doesn't stop uh, in any point. It's like, I think... That's one of the games that just leans all in, like said, Mark. Yeah, and if you think about it, uh, a lot of uh, there's been a lot of flack about the cutscenes being too long in in mm. in his games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if you think about it, for that particular game, it kind of fits because what what mm. do you do? You 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 just walk around and embrace the world and and, and chill mm. in a lot of places. So uh, a lot of places when you actually play, it's cutscene-ish as well. 
yeah. in an in an uh, enjoyable way, obviously, but it kind of brings it together. Uh, so even mm. the the long long cutscenes finds a way into the DNA of the game. It's not yeah. something mm-hmm. tacked mm-hmm. on to tell a story. It's like, not separate. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's not a... separate. And also, uh, I mean, again, big fan of, of of that game, but it also goes back into ev- even the notes that you have in that game have that depth that that everything else is like okay we're going to go deep in this let's go deep let's have a background let's like they've spent a lot of time i'm always amazed about the amount of work that's gone into that game just of the writers i'm just like they must have had like so many people just writing away and coming mission designers are you sure yeah. because the titles the credit screen just said writer hideo kojima so must have been all yeah he must have been busy <laughs> on the... all the notes imagine oh, oh god no but yeah. we we had notes and 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 lore in in the syndicate game as well but the syndicate mm. game was about running down a corridor and shooting a lot of stuff so mm-hmm. it kind of it did not Clashes. talk yeah it did not talk the same language and we and we interrupted the player with with the cutscenes so okay yeah. now 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 i have to lean back and watch and then mm-hmm. the cutscene is yeah, over i lean forward and run down the corridor yeah. and shooting stuff mm-hmm. so we had a language problem there uh, and why it didn't really fit so and in the co-op part i'm, I'm maybe it comes out as bragging uh, since i was working on the uh, on the code we kind of ignored that part because now you were even four agents running mm-hmm. around like crazy people and and shooting a lot of stuff. So we ignored all the like the the intricate lore and intricate stuff. We had a small briefing when you actually arrived at the mission, and then just on you go. Start the mission and play, yeah. And let the world building and the setting telling the story instead, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. like Left for Dead did in in their way of just right. Mm. training through like going like a train uh, locomotive through the level to the next checkpoint and then like Mm -hmm. huddling up in the safe house and then going on to the next one so we took a lot of inspiration from how Left Left 4 Dead did their kind of level design so they told the story in in the level and then Mm -hmm. just let the players pick up on it or not Mm -hmm. there's one thing about these games that I I just wanted to pick up on what that was that that kind of you know your team versus the environment are games i absolutely love right because compared to call of duty sorry i don't mean to lean into you call of duty it's like four mates and i playing call of duty is like suddenly a whole bunch of people are going to go and wipe us off the map like in three seconds but i really enjoy this like getting three or four friends and just going out at this world you know and that i think syndicate i might have to re-experience see if, <laughs> and see if like does do the game server still work no nah, I, I think it, it, it will be hard to boot that one up uh, i mean uh, call of duty does a lot of rights as well there's some uh, exceptionally good um, uh, campaign works in uh, in some of the call of duty games so they they are experts uh, for sure oh, yeah I, I did not want to belittle them because that but I'm, I'm i like punching upwards because they're making enough money they don't care what i say <laughs> you know like um but is this kind of small player co-op or like uh and you worked on another one which was kind of uh like the the brother tells of two sons which is like two thumb co-op isn't it it's mm, basically it was a very good game yeah uh that was interesting because up until then, uh, I've been doing more 
flamboyant ca- ca- chaos kind of level design, um, mm-hmm. run, mm-hmm. running and shooting in in a lot of games. So having this um, this kind of more um, toned down, uh, explorative uh, saga kind of level design, it was ve- uh, still extremely linear, uh, super mm-hmm. super linear experience. You move from one objective to the next. But the tone and style was way more storytelling. So you had to kind of implement all the gameplay and all the level design way tighter into the story. And we had a mindset Mm -hmm. so that everything should be unique. You shouldn't really encounter the same uh, thing twice. We didn't really achieve that because, for example, Mm -hmm. we had a rope climbing mechanic where where you do... uh, a body push or what you, you mm. should call it uh, to help each other up a ledge so uh, we did that a couple of times in the game but uh, other than that we tried to be as unique as possible uh, in, in level design and in game design so that was quite interesting and really really fun uh, to to explore as a level designer yeah. and I think when it came out it like blew people's heads because it was it was the way you played it was very different right? you controlled two players right with with the two thumbsticks each each one for each player and it's you have to basically solve different unique puzzles in each um, area or whatever uh, but like you said everything just felt um, even how the camera moved and how the levels, like, I remember there were levels with, um, were they soldiers that were like gigantic and there were arrows. I don't remember exactly. And there were, that was just like, uh, they, they, they died and there was like blood flowing. So the, the blood became like for, for you, because you're smaller, it looks like a little river or something. So all of that is just very different and it kind of tied in with the, the story itself, like that environment said a story it was it was it was central to it it wasn't just like hey it's a building you go through and you're out and the story is what happens when you exit that building it's like that environment was like very specifically made for a reason and the whole the whole game felt like that and i think that was very unique back when it first came out yeah the 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 funny thing is that the puzzles are super super uh, simplistic there's there's a couple of puzzles that uh, are slightly more complicated but the focus and tone uh, was way more on on the narrative and and bringing emotions to the player so yeah. uh, it was almost like a textbook example from a level designer perspective that okay i have this key in the lock how many times can how in how many ways can i portray this key and the lock uh, yeah. so so that's kind of what we what we did throughout the entire game so okay now you should push open this gate using the two brothers and now you should pull down this lever with a with a strong brother the same time as the little brother push through a, a, a narrow space uh, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or uh, another time you should push open the gate but now it's not a gate now it's uh, an arm from a giant yeah, yeah. just laying across but it's exactly the same things that you actually did mm-hmm. over and over again but just finding different ways to articulate the key yeah. and the lock it's, yeah. it's it's what we do on a daily basis, basically. I think those are the best games for me, at least, because it's you use the same mechanic, but you portray it differently, and it feels different. The experience becomes uh, different for the player, even though they are actually 
doing the same thing. For example, like Tomb Raider, right? Um, the old games where you had to climb, it was just like a straight up wall and you climbed and that's it. Now, uh, the new Tomb Raider games, you, it's still a straight wall that you just climb and you reach the top. But now things are falling down. Things are like uh, the camera changes. Maybe she gets cut. Maybe you have to tap a button to hold on. But the path and the level is still the same. Still, you're going to push the, the stick up and you're still going to go up. But the experience is so different. Even though the it's not like the mechanic has been innovated in any way, like in, in a crazy way, if you know what I mean. It's really funny. I watched a show last night, and uh, I'm not going to say which one it is, but uh, it was basically like a, a travel show. They just went to hotels to see what they're like, and they literally had a mountain that had white bits on it. I was going, that's a Tomb Raider level. I was like, <laughs> yes. no, but reality, but it's a Tomb Raider level. Mm. Um, so I was a bit like, okay, so... Are they copying from Tomb Raider or is Tomb Raider copying from You life? know, the uh, know. Castle of Edinburgh here has a lot of uh, white um, pigeon poop that oh, yeah. sits on ledges. And, and oh, right. the first time I saw it, I was like, wait a moment, that reminds me of Tomb Raider. I know exactly <laughs> where to climb now because I, I can say, see the ridges. Have you tried ridges. climbing it yet? Have you tried <laughs> no. to climb it yet? That's the next step, right? <laughs> I'm just going to say gloves. Gloves. <laughs> might, you know, wash um, your hands afterwards. That's what I'm saying. That's really hard for us to kind of be... Uh, to showcase where the player is supposed to go, uh, show show yeah. the path, but not really writing uh, writing it on the nose. So we want to kind of in in the block out and in the white box. I know white white box isn't like that's one of the terms <laughs> that's yeah. widely spread all over the place. Uh, but for me, a white box is uh, where you actually have gameplay implemented. So what I teach mm -hmm. my students is the block out is the sense of space where you, where you feel the space of the level. And mm -hmm. when you enter white box, you actually make it playable. Uh, so, yeah. so in this white box, in this playable state, we kind of articulate all those things with, with uh, markings, so that we, uh, really colorful markings. And we so, so want that to kind of end up in the final game because it's way easier to play it. But then, then we, we railroad the player. So then they stop thinking about the quest and they just go for it. Okay, mm -hmm. a yellow marking or pigeon poop. Uh, I'm supposed to go there. They stop yeah. thinking. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so it's kind of like how you balance that. That's also the, the, mm -hmm. the work for, for us, for, for, for the the last line of defense, the level designers, yeah. the mm -hmm. kind of safe keep. Mm -hmm. Okay, we don't want the don't player to, to railroad, but how sh should we keep it readable? Yeah. Yeah, I think it also depends on the game, right? And it's also like a dialogue between the level designer and the player. And as a player, I'm not just going to put that hat on. Sometimes I'm playing and I'm, going, I'm having a conversation with the level designer because, like, you want me to go there, right? But I know that you want me to go there, but you've you've hidden something behind something there, else, haven't yeah. you? There's going to be a monster behind that door because I know how, you, you know, like having that gun ammo before a, a room, you go like, okay, <laughs> right, baddie behind here. But I think it's those conversations that are nice to have and, again, lean into sometimes because you go like, ahaha, I tricked you. And and that's the joy in, 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 in some games. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That being tricked by somebody that you you've you know in a nice way yeah 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 uh, but it's also kind of like 
uh, again bringing back the DNA of the game. So if mm. you if you have the the guns, uh, if you enter an area and it's a super super obvious combat bowl where you have covers lined up and and guns yeah. and ammunition all over the place, you kind of know that there will be enemies, <laughs> even though yeah. they're they're not enemies there yet. Mm. Um, Uncharted do that all the time, for example. But the kind of the DNA of the game allows it because it kind of becomes this narrative curve of it so okay mm-hmm. i'm having this uh, traversal moment and then i have a puzzle moment and then i have a com- combat mo- moment they 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 don't try to hide it they they mm-hmm. this is uh, our game this is our game yeah. this is yeah. what we are yeah yeah it's like uh, mirror search too right like mirror search is the exact opposite it's all about flow and running and traversal so you don't want to hide those ledges or those pipes or whatever you're gonna climb on you want to highlight them and it's the it's the opposite but it works for the game right it works for what it wants trying to do you don't want people to think oh where am i gonna know go next you just want to parkour so like it's the opposite but it's it's it uses the correct language and and uh, uh in that case a white city with bold colors there we go yeah. you never get lost yeah, there you go. <laughs> but i mean that's how we're going to design games yeah. from now on that's it those are the two colors that you need full stop done maybe blue like know. super hot super hot is like one two colors like right. mainly like yeah. red and white so mm. it's very easy yeah. to distinguish what well, red, white, you're never, white. Yeah. you should never miss an enemy basically you should always be able to tell where the enemy is coming from where it's yeah. shooting at you from and things like that because so. the point is to have fun and be able to shoot them a slow mo yeah. not to figure out is there an enemy like somewhere yeah you want to you basically you want to feel like a badass like that's yeah well the, uh, yeah. The, i think that game kind of uh, it's more of an art style choice, I would think, because you can't. They kind of right. pause it all the time. So even if the enemies were were in ghillie suits, you would be able to <laughs> kind of spot them. Uh, so yeah, I think I think it's yeah. because of it's an indie game, and they 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 chose that as an art style. But for for example, mm. for the Mirror's Edge, it's way more convenient when you're steaming mm. ahead, uh, running really fast. You you don't want to uh, misstep and jump off the building. In the wrong place. Yeah, uh, yeah. I still, I still do that, but that crunch, man, that crunch mm. when you hit the bottom. Tommy, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, so that we're gonna put your contact details down below, but best place to contact you at on Twitter or yeah, I guess email? Twitter, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do or it. turning up at you the university, going, "Let me in! I want to be the Just future of level design." Down. Yeah. Oh, that would be a bad idea. So yeah, I try. <laughs> I actually try to to reply um, to to everything that I receive on Twitter. Uh, sometimes I fail uh, because there were some tweets that kind of became too big for me. <laughs> so yeah. I, I was flooded. Uh, 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 so so yeah, but I do my best. So if if there's something, um, Twitter is the way to go. I'm uh, having Fantastic. slightly awkward the Norberg as handle. The. Well, you are the Norberg to us. So <laughs> thank you very much, and I bid you all a good night. Bye. Bye. The Level Design Podcast has been a Command Studio production. Our editor is Matthew Lever, and this episode has been produced by Bridie Rose.